welcome back to Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Aiden Koontz. Aiden, how are you doing today? Doing good, Joe. Um, love this little Purdue episode we do on Mondays. Uh, it's always good to talk boiler basketball. So let's get it going. Yeah, for sure. We're going to just kind of be recapping the past week. Purdue had two games. Then we'll also look ahead a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just get right into it. So Purdue is currently 19-1, and 8-1 in the Big Ten. They have a two-game lead over who, the m- multiple teams that are in second place with three losses. Uh, last week, they beat Minnesota at Minnesota 61-39, to and then they uh, got a home win over Maryland 58-55. to So, you know, two games, obviously the first game against Minnesota, the, the worst team in the Big Ten, and then um, Maryland game, which was a tale of two halves, really, for Purdue. Uh, first half that was dominant, and then the second half that was, you know, um, they they let the lead pretty much slip. But what are just maybe just an overview, just kind of key takeaway for the entire week for you that you, you know, just kind of stands out? Yeah, it felt like, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but, you know, at the high of that Michigan State win on Monday, uh, felt like kind of a bit of a come down both games. Minnesota, they played very well, but it was just kind of a boring game to watch. Uh, and then Maryland, obviously, yesterday was was not boring, uh, although it was ugly. Um, you know, felt like um, they got taken out of rhythm offensively in both games a little bit. And uh, I thought that showed specifically yesterday. Uh, but they also really probably maybe guarded the best that they have all season over the course of these two games or close to it, yeah. you know, in terms of the half-court defense um, buckling down and, and really – I thought communication rotations were on a uh, on another level from what we've seen this year in terms of uh, produce half court defense. I think that that's probably the story from these two games because they weren't pretty offensively. Um, you know, the Minnesota game uh, just kind of was a slog. It's a pretty weird game, a pretty ugly game early in that that half. Minnesota, like literally, there was just a lid on the basket. Um, if not for a late and one, they would have had nine points, you know, for the, for the first half. And so like, they're really bad, but at the same time, like it was, that was a game where you felt like, okay, this Purdue team's for real because that Minnesota team had played a little bit better recently had pushed some of these other teams to the brink had beaten Ohio state on the road. Um, and, and even just as recently as yesterday played Michigan tough at, at Chrysler. So. Like to just dismantle them in that way uh, was was impressive, no question about it. Um, but at the same time, you got the Minnesota caveat. And then yesterday, I thought just Maryland was ready to more ready to play than Purdue was, and Purdue happens to be a quite a bit better, which is why they they got the the W. But I thought Maryland came out with a you know a level of intensity that Purdue did not match, especially in the second half. Um, and that, that was why that was close. But, you know, it's just it's some of those games that you have in it over the course of a season. Uh, the Big Ten is, you know, as I talk about all the time, these guys are not going to be super fired up to go visit the barn on a Thursday night. You know, like they're not going to be super fired up, even though it is Mackey to oh Maryland's in town. Uh Oh, you know, so it, it is some of that factor of a bit of fatigue, a bit of uh, a come down after the Michigan state game. And then, uh, you know, some, I think some of that came into play I and mean, we can break it down in more detail here, but that's kind of my initial takeaways. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much with you. The, the defense has really stood out the past, even just 
going back a little bit more back to like Nebraska, even Penn State, um, you know, defense really stood out. And this is a, you know, this is a legit top 25 defense in the country. Ken Palm has him 17th. Um, I think these past two games, we've kind of been, you know, singing Ethan Morton's praise on defense all year. I think these past two games just solidified him as one of the top defenders in the Big Ten. Um, just absolutely just held battle, Jameson Battle for Minnesota, who's one of the, if not their leading scorer, uh, held him to zero points. And then Jameer Young for Maryland, who's like a, I think he's like an 18 point per game or something like that score. Um, I he held he held him scoreless in the first half. Young eventually got to 10 points, but I think maybe only two or four of those were on Morton. So that's my big thing there. And you know, Edie continues to just be an absolute monster. Um, he had 24 and 16 against Maryland, only 12 and six, I believe, against Minnesota. Um, but you know, with it being a blowout, didn't play as much. And just just being able to handle the physicality that teams are continually throwing at him. Uh, very, very physical game in Maryland, which we will talk about. But, you know, these are wins that obviously the Minnesota ones, you you got to win that one for sure. And then like home game against Maryland, like, you know, that that's one you can't really let drop if you want the Big Ten title. Um, you know, that's a being seven and two and eight and one. That's a big difference right now. It's a it's a two game lead over three teams with three losses, which is Rutgers, Michigan and Wisconsin. Um Wisconsin plays Northwestern today. We're recording on Monday, January 23rd. So they play today. So they could drop to four losses. And then Purdue has Michigan this week, which we will talk about later. Um, but a two-game lead, is just, it's really becoming the, uh, like, Purdue's to lose. Like, Purdue is very clearly the top of the Big Ten. And, like, they're going to have to – they'll have to mess up along the way to really lose it this year. But we will now – or do you have something – yeah, no, I was just gonna say that that's I agree with that. I mean, it produced the top dog, you know, at yes. this point. I think everybody would would agree with that. In fact, they may be number one here when the polls come out. They may be number two, but inside of the league, there's there's no one better right now. They're in conference play. They're they're far and away number one in both offensive and de- defensive efficiency. Um, so they've just been the best team. You know, there's really at this point not much question about that. And it's just it's just yeah. For Ken Palm, top offense and defensive rating uh, when you filter for only conference play. They're also by far the slowest team, which is just funny. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. very much we're going to slow the game down and we value our possessions more than you do. And we're going to be more efficient. And that's, you know, that's kind of just what's been Purdue's way. Obviously, when you have, you know, seven foot four Zach Eady, you kind of at times do have to slow it down um, just to let him set up because of how dominant he is. But yeah, no, they're, they're, you know, eight and one is, is no joke. Nineteen and one overall, and the only loss is a one point loss to Rutgers, who's you know, I think pretty comfortably right now the number two team in the Big Ten. Um, you know, top three or four at, at worst. So, yeah, and it bears from- it probably bears mentioning that, um, you know, they they easily could be you know five and three or five sure. and four. You know, like I mean, they they've had swing games go their way. Um, even though the Rutgers game didn't go their way, but. You know, a lot of these Big Ten games, I mean, Nebraska on the road, you know, was absolutely one that they, they maybe should have lost. Ohio yeah. State, uh, Michigan State, you know, so they've had some games, Maryland even, you could argue they got a little fortunate in that game. Uh, but, you know, at some point you kind of create your own luck. And, um, you know, I think Purdue has done that. Uh, they, they have the 17th best three-point percentage defense in the country. They're holding teams at 29% from three which is typically a, a bit of a sign of luck, but it can also be a, 
a sign of good defense and produce case, probably a little bit of both. Um, so it, it, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to if a few of these games down the stretch and they don't have the easiest schedule moving forward, you know, go the other team's way. And, and I would just say that that's not the end of the world. You know, I don't think that changes what we think about this Purdue team. If that does indeed happen. Yeah, for sure. No, this they're, they're gonna, they're not going to finish big 10 play with one loss. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, just with the the gauntlet that they have remaining um, for Ken Palm rankings, their their toughest or like their easiest game is probably like at Wisconsin left. Wow, um, really? Home against Michigan State or Penn State, I mean. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's just a bunch of they're know, all tough. really solid yeah. teams, and some are away, some are home. Um, and that's starting with at Michigan Thursday. But before we get into all that, let's let's go kind of a game by game breakdown. Um, we'll t- start with the Minnesota game. So that was Thursday, January nineteenth. Purdue won sixty one to thirty nine. Minnesota scored twelve points in the first half. Um, they were at nine, and they hit like a and one banked in eighteen foot pull up with like a middle left or something like that uh, to get them over the double digit mark. But um, you know, Brain Smith led the way with 19 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, only two turnovers. You know, and this was the game we got aggressive Brain Smith and we got, you know, in control Brain Smith. Um, Edie had 12 and six, um, you know, seven of 16 from three. Well, and just, you know, kind of cruised the second half, to be honest. Like after they were up by, you know, 15 or 20 or something like that at half. Um, we just kind of cruised the second half. But what were your kind of main takeaways from this game? Anything you want to dive into? Yeah, I thought I thought Braden played really well and controlled the game. Um, obviously, the the nineteen seven and seven, it felt like he could have kind of picked his line in that game uh, if he wanted to get twelve assists. He probably could have. If he had played, you know, a few more minutes, he might have um, only played twenty seven. You know, uh, they they just they didn't have it. Um, they weren't ready to play Minnesota. I mean, they, they, they really were not ready to play in that game. Um, Purdue, in fact, in that early stretch was, was handing them opportunities to keep it a close game and, you know, didn't score at their typical level necessarily. I mean, the, the first 10 minutes it was 14 to five Purdue. Um, and during that stretch, there were plenty of opportunities for, for Minnesota to kind of take advantage of Purdue and, and they just didn't, um, they're, they're super young. They were fouling like crazy um early in that game and and it just got to a point where uh Purdue kind of just imposed their will there's not a whole lot to take away I don't think uh certainly you're not worried about anything from that game it was nice to see Newman see a couple go down uh Gillis saw one go down off this deck play that I put on my Twitter um has been people have been blowing that up because Painter's just so good um and he's just unbelievable this season and uh, that was another example um, and yeah, Braden obviously was just in control. Uh, Zach obviously, you know, didn't, didn't have his normal stat line, but at, at the same time, you know, it was just that kind of game. Uh, Purdue wasn't very good offensively and won by, you know, 20. So it, yeah. it was good at the end. I thought it was good at the end. I thought the, uh, old last 10 minutes, Minnesota's younger guys got some run, made some plays. That's probably good for them uh, in that regard. But other than that, from a Purdue perspective, it was it was pretty rough watch, honestly. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, one of the more boring game. Probably, well, it's it definitely the most in com- boring in conference game uh, so oh, yeah, not far. Close. Not close. Yeah, in, in conference. But, you know it, and it kind of just had the feel of like a a bye game at 
some points, to be honest. Um, it did. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. You know, this is, it's funny that we're like, you know, Edie didn't have a great, he was just whatever, you know, he still had 12 points, six, six rebounds, four blocks. Um, right. And we say that, you know, he was very good defensively. He was very, very good defensively. Oh, yeah. He was just not allowing anything at the rim. Um, And that was where Minnesota struggled. They had to just shoot. If they tried him at the rim, he was just blocking it. And then they just had to shoot a bunch of jumpers and pull ups. And, um, you know, a lot of those came from um, battle who went over nine, as I said before, Ethan Morton just clamped him. Um, You know, I think old Joseph had a pretty good game for Minnesota. He was able just to sometimes just kind of hit a jumper kind of get to the rim but overall yeah it's just a purdue dominant performance um you know able to get waddell a little bit of run at the end tkr got some more minutes um yeah i don't other other than brain smith just you know he had his his couple stretches where he just absolutely destroyed minnesota's defense um yeah really just did what he he had one of those games where he just did what he wanted in pick and roll and, and you know yeah and he was he was aggressive from the jump yeah you know he put up 13 shots um so that was great to see and it sucks that he followed that up with with sunday as we'll get into but it's just kind of that ping pong thing of being a freshman of one game you're going to go off and one game you know you're going to come back down to earth a little bit and uh one thing i want to say on the ethan morton is like that should probably be his uh when when they vote on all defense he should send in that that game a submission you know like battle is not an easy guy to shut down uh he's a tough shot maker you know, he's not the most explosive guy, but he's a tough shot maker. And Morton consistently, it ended up, it, it seemed like it was, you know, late clock uh, opportunities for battle where Morton would just clamp him down. Like you said, uh, he's not any quicker than Morton and he's really not that much bigger than Morton. So it, it, it's really a good matchup for Morton positionally. Um, you know, he's listed at 6'7", 220, and that, that's exactly, almost exactly Morton's measurables as well so and morton's probably a little bit quicker so bad matchup for battle and morton really just i mean it it was end of the shot clock forcing up long twos you know battle only played 22 minutes i mean that that is probably maybe his worst game of his career honestly i know i mean this was a guy battles a you know i think i believe he made an all big 10 team last year um so yeah you know and morton just he's so good at navigating through screens and we'll talk about that more in the maryland game he's just He's just able to get through stuff so easily. Um, or maybe not easily because, you know, it's tough to get through screens, but better than anybody else on Purdue. Um, obviously, there's the offensive struggles for Ethan. I don't think we need to super rehash those right now, um, you know, but it is something still to worth noting. Like he was able to get he was able to go one for two in the game. Was it that was the game where he had one waved off, right? Also. Yeah, so he would have – yeah, he had one. He shot a three, but then Edie got called for three seconds, um, which quietly is like the first three seconds Edie's been called for all year, I think. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, go, we'll go past that. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really too much else to talk about in this Purdue-Minnesota game. So we'll move on to the more exciting game, um, although, you know, probably a little too close for a lot of Purdue fans, and that is yeah, the right. Maryland game. Purdue got a 58-55 to win. Um, they were uh, 14 at half. They never gave up the lead. Uh, Purdue never, ever trailed in the entire game. And there was only the only time Maryland cut it to less than three was with five seconds left when Purdue fouled on purpose. So that way, you know, Maryland couldn't hit a game tying three uh, and they were able to cut it to one. But aside from that, like, although the lead slipped, they never it never got fully. Uh, it was never fully in danger of going away. It was it was always you know three points and Purdue usually had the ball and they 
as bad as the offense was, I felt like they scored. Um, they were able to at least match Maryland's scoring when it mattered. Now, another team made a field goal for the last like five minutes of the game. So I guess that's easy to it's easy to match scoring when the team just isn't scoring, period. But um, but yeah, get into some of the numbers. ED 24 and 16. Um, he did have five turnovers, but also two blocks, um, 10, 10 to 17 shooting, just an absolute monster. Like, and they Maryland was being so physical with him. Um, but aside from that, it, there, he didn't have a ton of help. You know, Smith had eight points, all of them coming on free throws, three rebounds, four assists, also three turnovers. Um, he didn't, you know, he kind of just looked um, at times just too, a little too apprehensive. Um, you when you get aggressive brain Smith, that's when good things really happen. Fletch had seven points, four assists, two rebounds. Uh, his only three was some, you know, fadeaway banked in shot that he made. Um, Ethan had four points, two blocks, which was big, the one block especially. But aside from that, it was, you know, just a bunch of, you know, two to six point performances. Um, but when you only need to score 56 points to win because Maryland scored 55, it, you know, Edie took care of a lot of that with 24. Uh, it just, just, I don't think we can say enough about how good of a season Edie's having. Like he's having like a historically good season. Uh, played 33 minutes. Maryland just from the jump was just, um, you know, it wasn't always as they did it in a way that you can't always call the fouls. But they were, you know, pretty much just shoving Edie. Um, Reese was, you know, giving him two, you know, forearm shoves, some elbow stuff, like just just trying to move him and just bother him as much as possible. And that was right from the jump. A uh, really, really physical yeah. game. One of the most physical and, you know, Edie got called for the one retaliation offensive foul early. That was about two minutes into the game. Painter pulled him immediately. Um, and then from there, just, you know, 24 and 16. Like, I don't think I can say that enough. And that's just like somewhat normal for him. Like, it's not like that's like a yeah. big deal for him. Yeah. And it felt like, and Painter even said it like, again, like he missed some, he probably should have made and, and, and still got to that stat line. And, um, you know, I felt like Maryland's game plan was it the best produced scene, you know, defensively, um, in terms of just disrupting rhythm. You know, I think it, I think there's yeah. an argument to be made for that. Obviously, Rutgers would have a say in that, but you know, I I think the creativity of Willard going to the press, dropping into two three, and then just like you said, really it, it felt intentional, the fouling that okay. was being done, um, in a way, as you said, intentionally in a way that it's difficult to call. And and I think if, if I was a team coaching against Edie or Painter, like you're, you're not going to let them punch you in the mouth, you know, because mm-hmm. if you do that, it's over. Um, if, if you let Edie throw the per- first punch, so to speak, it's over because he's just going to score every time. Uh, so I think you kind of have to take the fight to Purdue and Edie a little bit. And they did that. Um, it's frustrating as Purdue fans because, again, it was a Courtney Green crew. Uh, the numbers are getting to a point now with Courtney Green uh, that we talked about earlier off off air that it's getting to be um, pretty ridiculous. Uh, not that he has a Purdue bias. I think more so it's just he has, he, he doesn't want to call those fouls. His crews don't tend to call uh, every little foul. And, and also his crews, I think, as Painter alluded to, have a tendency to kind of switch the way the game's called uh, midway through the game. And that that's yep. what felt like happened. Um, it felt like... The first half of the game, uh, you know, Reese picked up, what, two quick fouls uh, and and Willard rode him because he picked up his third one early in the second half as well. And Willard just said, screw it. We're leaving him out there. Uh, Their backup, the Roger kid, uh, just had no chance. So, you know, I think 
it was an intentional effort by Willard that worked because it's the Big Ten, you know, uh, to to kind of muck things up, take Purdue out of their rhythm, uh, and it succeeded. Of course, Edie still had the numbers, but it did feel like it took them out of rhythm, and and I think contributed quite a bit to the five turnovers that were yeah. huge. A lot of those were, you know, interception pick six type things the other way where Purdue's got one of their small guards back is the only guy back. Uh, and now, you know, it's, it's becoming difficult. I thought, you know, the press disrupted them enough to, as we talked about yesterday on our boilers and stands uh, post game show, you know, it, it, it got it to where like, okay, now you've got 20 seconds left and you're just now getting into your action. Yeah. Um, and that, that just speeds you up. Like you don't, you don't do that quite, you know, you don't do that a lot in college. You're, you're used to having, 26 seconds because you walk it up the floor um and obviously going zone took purdue out of their sets they, they had a couple different looks they, they had an overload look they had a ball screen look that uh ball screen that you know the side on, on the side uh, that i thought worked pretty well um you know it felt like they did a pretty good job against the zone except when they were just turning the ball over you know once mm-hmm. they got it into that middle it felt like from there they were going to get a good look but Willard's gamble was, again, eventually our length will bother you guys enough to, to turn it over. You know, it felt like in the first half, I'm kind of rambling here, but it felt like in the first half, you know, Purdue, uh, that felt a little unsustainable, Purdue's 14-point lead. I was thinking at halftime, like, I think they're going to make a comeback here because even though Mackey was rocking and, um, you know, Purdue was was ostensibly playing well, they were defensively. I didn't think they were offensively. Some of their defense created their offense, but they had a bit of luck late in the clock. More uh, lawyer banks in a three. Morton hits a step back to stuff that isn't, you know, sustainable. Uh, yeah. and, it, and it that proved to be the case a little bit because they got taken out of their rhythm. Braden didn't even get a field goal. He was eight points on eight of eight from the line. Um, you know, but in that first half, clutch. I, yeah, clutch free throws, clutch, clutch free throws at the end. Um, some of that first half, I thought Purdue did a great job defensively. Really, uh, Maryland was running some interesting stuff. They had this horns look where they would just run it into a stagger and then just have run different looks off that. They did that like over and over again and just try to get those big wings in space. Um, and then they, they almost turned it into a little isolation ball, just had had those big wings kind, kind of back our guy, our lawyer and Smith down. Uh, and get into the paint there. So uh, Morton doing a great job on Young and then just great team communication, great rotations. And Edie would help over onto one of those post-ups. Then you got to have a low man dropping to take two guys while Edie's occupied. And, and they did an awesome job in the first half of that. It just kind of slowed down, slowed down. But even still, that the half-court defense remained solid. It was just the turnovers that, that bit them and, and just kind of yeah. didn't really, when they came out that second half, they didn't really – match the level of of uh of maryland's intensity i think they got worried about the refs and some other things that that happens when it when it's a frustrating game like that for sure no i you know hit on a few points um but do i think i want to go to the zone defense first or the going yeah. against the zone first um you know i'm looking at the numbers here um purdue when they were against the man they scored 0.849 points per possession when they were against zone they only scored 0.333 points per possession which is wow you know i didn't realize that to, yeah which is equivalent to shooting like was that 33 percent from two no that's like yeah like 33 yeah. percent from two yeah. or whatever yeah. yeah um but you know just really really bad against the zone i didn't realize <laughs> yeah. it was that low either to be honest um 
let's see turnover they had they turned over the ball 41.7 percent of the possessions when playing against the zone um and that's so that's that's a huge so basically two out of every five possessions against the zone they turned it over that's obviously going to take your tank your uh yeah uh, ppp efficiency now take that with a slight grain of salt because you know it is I don't think synergy is perfect with tracking. They do a really, really good job. That's where these numbers are from. Uh, turned it over. Th- it says 30.4% of the time against press, um, which, you know, feels, that honestly feels a little high to me, but, you know, it's, it's tough to track exactly. But either way, the zone, the press into the zone gave Purdue fits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even when Purdue, Purdue broke it most times, the press at least, um, but oftentimes it was by Smith dribbling across at the 21 mark. Um, and so, you know, usually he does that like the 24 mark and that's three to four seconds that you really just need to, that can just get you a better shot when it comes down to it. Now you're, you're getting into your action earlier um, against the zone. Maybe you're getting it to ED with 10 seconds left instead of five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's, you know, that's a big difference, especially for like him to be able to have those few extra seconds to take, you know, more dribbles if needed. Um, I thought when Maryland went zone, it was like, if the ball got to Zach, he was getting a good look pretty much every time um, a couple times he was hesitant and that's when the turnovers came, I thought, but you know, if he was physical and just willing to body, like, um, you know, he was getting good looks, obviously he's probably a little scared about being physical because he was worried that they were going to call offensive fouls and stuff like that. Um, but it's just going to be, I think also if Purdue just knocks down a couple threes, like it, it changes the entire game. Obviously Maryland could say the same. They went three for 21. Purdue was two of 13 from three. Um, but you know, if Purdue can knock down a couple threes, that's just makes it harder to play the zone, I think. Um, but yeah, then, yeah, like, like you said, like it was just the transition defense wasn't, I mean, a lot of times it was because there was, it was that pick six, um, but the transition defense was not good looking at the numbers in the half court, um, Maryland was scoring 0.7 points per possession in transition. They scored 1.5 points per possession. Um, so that's. That's really where it was, is Maryland was just getting their points off, you know, fast break points. Um, I thought in the half court, once, maybe the last, probably the last 12 to 15 minutes of the game, Maryland finally got some good stuff going, I think. Um, Like Mm -hmm. you said, like they kind of just, you know, back down, you know, with Hearts or Scott against a smaller guard and like Lawyer, um, or Smith got switched onto one of them. And then Edie has to come over late to double. And the first half, when that happened, the, whoever had to rotate over was really, really good. Uh, the second half they were, you know, whoever was that help man, he was not, I think he was always a step slow and that's where Reese got up, you know, a bunch of his points was just those little dump offs. Um, but still overall, Maryland only scored 0.92 points per possession. They shot, you know, 14% from three 55 points total. Like it's still a, a very good defensive effort. Um, and just a game yeah, that and I thought, needed to I, pull out and they, they did. Yeah, they did. I was just going to jump in. I thought, you know, when you let Young get downhill to his left hand, it's just really hard. It, it, it's hard to help off, and it's hard to, you know, with Reese there, he's, it's just hard. It's hard for Edie to pick his spots. And we've seen him, not that he's afraid to block shots, but he's been a bit hesitant at times this year intentionally, I think, so as to avoid picking up fouls. Uh, he likes to block your shot, usually if it's, you know, coming from behind. Because uh, he's he's kind of baits you. We've talked about that. He kind of baits you, and 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 then he pins it off the backboard a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Reese Reese was good, man. He matched Ed for most of the game. Felt like uh, got some tough buckets. Yeah, he had some drop downs that that he just dunked. But couple, yeah, no, he definitely had some you know, good post-ups. I, couple isolation mid post 
situations where he just turned and posted and got to his left hook. Uh, one, I think Edie dared him to take a jumper early. He knocked it down, I think, on your side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of a funky release, but good player. We've, we've talked him up all year. He's, he's a good player. And uh, I don't what year is he? Is he the sophomore? Or listed sophomore. as a sophomore. Okay, so, yeah, he's he's got some time to grow. And I think they're a – I don't know. I, I don't really know what to think about them. Uh, I just think that that game's a bit of an outlier both ways for, for both teams. But it did seem like they uh, they got some stuff going in that second half. The Spain stuff was, I thought, actually guarded pretty well. A yeah, lot I thought of the, they did a lot good of, against it. A lot of their staple actions, that horn stagger look and then the Spain look, was really guarded pretty well. They tried a couple empty sides that, that was guarded well. And, um, so, again, like not, not really a game to freak out about if you're Purdue um, because – yeah, you played well defensively and shots just didn't fall and they bothered you with that zone. And now you, you know, you have something to work on because there's, they'll yep. see zone again. I don't know from who probably Maryland at the Xfinity center, but they'll, yes. they'll see zone again. And so it's, it's good to get reps against zone uh, for the future. You know, the, the yep. real thing is like these teams are scouting heavy now, you know um, it's, it's, it's the middle of big 10 season. We're starting to get into the point where you're playing teams twice. You've got a lot on film and, uh, the, the interesting thing with Purdue is like you think about the second game of the first weekend in the NCAA tournament and the second game of the second weekend, you know, the, the elite eight and the, the round of 32, if they get to that point, like how do yeah. you scout Edie? How do you prep for Edie on short turnaround? One day. Yeah. It, it's going to be a real, real question because last year we saw uh, Texas, obviously Purdue played them pretty well. And, and then they lose the game where the St. Peter's has time to prepare um, not that they won't have a scout and everything ready for Edie, but it's different when you're working on it all week versus, you know, one day turnaround trying to prepare for what, what has been obviously talked about as the hardest scout, you know, the hardest guy to guard probably in the country. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Like it, what you see in big 10 play may not always translate to uh, the NCAA tournament. I saw some, I mean, it's just uh, the weird narratives are starting to come out. I was watching the field of 68 show last night and they were talking about, Oh, well, the way he's ref now is going to be a total detriment when they get to the tournament. I, that to me, just doesn't make much sense. Like, I don't really think there's much correlation there. Um, it, it doesn't, I don't put much stock in the, Oh, big 10 builds horrible habits with Purdue. Like I, I just think they just have gotten, unfortunately, you know, not, not one games in the tournament. I don't think that's because of the big 10 or anything of that nature. I just think they, they haven't won games. They've gotten some bad matchups um, and, and we'll see how that goes this year. But that, that to me is a little, little dumb. I'm with you there. Um, you know, Edie's going to, Edie's the best player in the country. He'll be the toughest guard in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, he's the toughest cover for sure. Yeah. Before we move on just to preview the next week, I do want to talk about the point guard play real quick for Purdue. Uh, Brain played 31 minutes, eight points, like we said. Um, but, you know, didn't get a field goal to go. It's some really clutch free throws. And it's not that Brain had a bad game. It's just following up the, you know, the Minnesota performance in which he was in total control the entire game. Uh, Smith just looked like he was just, just at times, just lackadaisical, I think. Um, just almost like he was trying like so much to not let the pressure get to him, like of the, of Maryland's defense. Um, and obviously we don't, we don't know anything specific, but you know, I, I think it, it was just another example that Smith's going to have to learn how to 
just continue to learn how to deal with the physicality and length. I think that's been the one issue probably on offense for him is when teams can get length on him, um, then he can't be as aggressive. And then when he isn't aggressive, that's just, you know, it takes away from Purdue's offense a lot. I thought Jenkins was solid off the bench, um, you know, 12 minutes. I thought defensively, just being a bigger bodied guard, he, he was brought in at times just to, you know, help with the physicality that Maryland was bringing. Um, but, you know, it's just a, it's, it was an interesting game, I think, just because, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you could ride Jenkins for 30 minutes, but also Smith was definitely not at his best. He was possibly, you know, feeling a little bit sick. I don't think yeah, Smith I've would use that as I've, an excuse, but. No, he he went, I've confirmed that he, he was feeling pretty sick. Um, okay. So I do think that that played a role. You could kind of see it when he was being subbed out for offense, defense. He was kind of laboring over to the sideline a little bit there. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like, yeah, he wouldn't use that as an excuse. And I think uh, you know, he's going to be asked to have some, you know, the, not guys who are explosive players necessarily, but guys who are bigger than him. He's going to be asked at times to cover them. If the best, the opposing team's best players, a point guard, you know, you want to put Morton on him. So, you know, a guy like Hart or Mag or not Mag, uh, Hart or Martinez or uh, Carey, you know, like those are the types of guys that, yeah, at times we're going to ask you to, to guard those guys, you know, and uh, they're, they're big wings. They're good shooters. We, he let, I, was it him or lawyer who let Carey get loose for their, on that first half when it was 11 to two run and, it just I was late it. chasing over that screen. I can't remember, yeah. but let Kerry get loose and made it 11 to five early in the game. Didn't happen a lot again after that, but um, those guys are tough covers for a guy like Braden and a guy like Fletch. And those guys are going to have, are going to be asked to do that in the tournament, you know, especially when teams have two or three real threats from the perimeter, like how, how's Purdue going to guard that? We're going to have to kind of see, you know, yeah. uh, I think like certain matchups, like if you played Kansas, like that's the team I've been thinking about because they have, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, and uh, Jalen Wilson, obviously. Like, you would put Morton on Wilson. Uh, you would put Braden on Dewan Harris, their point guard, and then, like, you'd have to probably kind of live with Lawyer on on Grady Dick or, you know, 6'8", slashing forward. Like, that's just – that's a scary proposition, obviously. But And maybe you could go – in certain lineups, maybe you could go Gillis and first for defense. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's interesting. I know that is. Um, well, that'd you don't be see interesting because, like, yeah. Um, what? Edie probably takes Adams, I guess. Yeah, I'd have to, right? And then, honestly, could I, I could see maybe even first taking Wilson and then uh, more than taking Grady. But that's aside from the point. Um, I think yeah. that's also just a quick, you know, talk to how just um, versatile. Ethan is as as defender. Ethan Morton just you know goes from Absolutely. a six seven battle to a six one young who's you know really really good at getting downhill, getting into the paints, and at first half especially, man, Morton just absolutely shut yeah. him down. Just did not he young got like two okay looks that half. I think the entire half. Well, he is just, and we talk about this. I mean, he's building up a hell of a resume as far yeah. as guys he's guarded well. You know, I mean, you look back just every single game, he's got the opposing team's best player. You know, A.J. Hogard, Tyson Walker, whoever you want, I'll guard him. You know, Jamison Battle, I'll guard him. Jameer Young, I can do that. You know, um, Jalen Pickett, I'll I'll try that. Bryce Sensabaugh, you know, it's just it's crazy. Like, the guy's getting – you know, if Jet Howard plays this week against Michigan, he'll certainly have him. If not, I'll be Bufkin. And and just so on and so on. And, and uh, 
you know, Indiana be hood Shafino. Like it's just, those guys are going to, going to be Morton's responsibility. And if he isn't, if he has a bad game, like produce half court defense, you could find them all of a sudden just getting torched in a way that it hasn't happened before. And I think like if Morton were God forbid to miss a game or two, that would really show up for oh, yeah. Purdue. Like they are really depending on, on Ethan right now defensively. Yep. No, for 100%. I got Ethan, the top defender in the, in the big 10, uh, by far Purdue's best perimeter defender. Um, just, the yeah, top Purdue, perimeter defender. Yeah. The top perimeter defender in the league. I think I would even have him over McConnell from what I've seen. Yeah. McConnell's the other one that I would, I think you could I think you could nitpick whatever size you want. Um, you know, I'm, I'm cool with either. I won't be cool if Ethan does not make a, if the, you know, assuming Ethan keeps up this level and if he does not make a big 10 uh, all defense team, then I'll be upset about that. So um, I think yes. we probably yes. hit on everything for this game. I don't know. Do you have anything else? If no, you guys no, do let's... want more in depth, um, definitely check out Braggs in the stands. We do the boilers in the stands post game show with it's us two. And then uh, Craig Bowers from Boy the Diehards, and then you know Greg Braggs from Braggs in the Stands. So if you want more in depth, we do post game show after every game. Uh, definitely go check that out on YouTube, Twitter. Uh, you'll be able just to find it by just kind of searching that up. So yeah, yeah, we've been doing that for post games, and we'll continue to do so uh, after the Michigan game this Thursday, which we're about to talk about. So you can check us out after that game. Uh, Nine p.m. Yeah. tip. We'll be up late. So. Uh, yep. you know, if you can't sleep, if the boilers lose, you can't sleep, jump in. If they win, you want to celebrate. Uh, but we could talk a little bit about that game. I think, uh, Purdue travels to Michigan on Thursday. Uh, and then they, they host Michigan state over the weekend, right? Sunday. On Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, the two Michigan teams, uh, certainly not a, not an easy two game stretch. Uh, Michigan's been up and down. They've got, a a weird team this year. Uh, haven't played all that well. Really, this this Big Ten season don't have a a marquee win. I wouldn't say you know in conference no. uh, beat beat Penn State at home, but you know have have not been able to win the games as an underdog so far this year uh, from their perspective. And and they may be without Jet Howard Thursday, which yeah. would really probably sink their chances. Uh, but they they've been a bit of a a boogeyman for Painter, Jawan Howard, Michigan teams. Um, they barely beat them. Last year at home when they were a bit down, I think they beat them by, I don't know, it was a, it was a sort of a, a small margin in that game, uh, I think six. And then I think when they, they just got torched when they went to Chrysler, uh, as they're going to do again on Thursday. So we'll hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah. But no, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm just kind of, uh, this is from uh mlive.com uh just like a michigan beat report type thing uh they they don't really have any update on jets injury yeah there hasn't also, been much yeah i'm just looking through the article obviously jalen llewellyn's out for the year he said you know this is coming from uh which howard mcdaniel twisted his ankle in the maryland game is still playing buffkin is dealt with an, is dealing with an injury terrence williams is dealing with an injury jace howard Jeez. is out with a concussion um unbelievable so, yeah buffkin's finger keeps popping in and out every game um so you know they're they're beat up like you said they're they're very much a up and down team um you know haven't had the toughest schedule they they lost you know all of their really marquee games in non-conference with virginia kentucky and north carolina although they played them all very very close um, yeah they did i think the first thing we got to talk about and we don't have to go super in depth into this but um, it's the Dickinson matchup, Hunter Dickinson for for Michigan. 
uh, just, you know, his ability to stretch this year um, at times, he's 10 for 25 from three on the year, 40%. Last year, he killed Purdue with it, just taking Edie, uh, even Travion at times, just out to the perimeter on the pick and pop. And it was just like, all right, I'm going to hit all these threes. Um, you know, I, I expect them to probably go to that a decent bit early. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, if they don't have Jet, that, that makes things, that makes the defensive coverage different on Dickinson. But um, what are you kind of looking to see for Purdue against against Hunter? Yeah, that's the obvious thing, right? The empty side stuff they do, pick and pop. Um, it's tough to guard if you're Edie. He's gotten quicker, I think. He's gotten more mobile since last year's matchup. He's more difficult to bait, I think, into fouls. Um, you know, now I think last year Hunter was the top dog in that matchup, obviously. Um, and now I think you'd say Edie has. Edie's developed that reputation for himself and justifiably so um, be interesting really the, the matchup is do they bring help do they let him hunter hang by himself um you know i think probably they'll start with hunter playing single coverage and bring help if need be I, that's what i would do um yeah. hunter's a legit i mean hunter's all of seven one seven two so he, he can kind of hold his own a little bit Edie's obviously much more you know physical um so that'll be a fun matchup man those two guys going at it's always fun um I would expect a really good shot from them, even though they've got guys out. Like, that's what it is. Purdue might be the number one team in the country, or if not, they're going to be number two. And certainly they're number one inside of the Big Ten. And in Michigan, a team that watching, you know, guys go down, and now you look at it from their perspective and you go, hey, this this is, might be our last shot. We don't get to go to Mackey. This is our last shot for a huge marquee win this season inside of the league, obviously tournament play notwithstanding. And so – they're going to get a good shot. They always will when they go on the road. Um, that's the thing that we've we've certainly seen over these past couple of years is target on your back, man. Real target on your back. And uh, it's nice that they get a couple of days off this year instead of last year where uh, I think yeah. COVID made it so that it was like a weird um, – I think they played Illinois in a crazy game Tuesday night and then went to Chrysler that Thursday night. Yep. And just got, just got smoked. smoked. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, yeah. So this year, hopefully, a better result. I think it will be. Uh, I think Purdue matches up pretty well with Michigan. Uh, I agree. No, no size to punish Braden. Doug's smaller than Braden, actually. So yeah. a battle of really undersized freshman point guards who have bright features there. And uh, Michigan's just young. They're young and they, they're not deep. They they've experimented with different things. Uh, they've tried Will Shutter a little bit. They've tried Terrace Reed a little bit. But nothing they have off their bench is really all that scary for Purdue. And if they don't have Jet and you think, oh, okay, we'll just stick uh, Ethan on Buffkin, who's their second best perimeter player, then it's just like, okay. I mean, it, it's really a, not a great matchup. So it would have to be the the stigma of Chrysler that would make it close, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. This is, yeah, Purdue honestly matches up pretty well. Like, um, if Michigan, you know, Michigan has gone to that too big. I have not watched the Minnesota game yet. The Michigan-Minnesota game, I will watch that today. So I don't know what they did in that game, but previously they've been going more to that too big of Dickinson and Terrace Reed. Um, Purdue is one of the teams in the Big Ten that just can match up with that by putting, you know, first is is bigger than Reed or even Gillis. I know he gives up a few inches height wise, but uh, you know, still is physical enough to probably at least body somewhat Reed. I know Reed's a you know big boy, uh, 6'10", 260, and, and and knows how to use his size. I think, but if they do that, yeah. like I think Purdue matches up well. Um, you know, the um, Joey Baker off the bench, he can shoot. So maybe, you know, that would be an interesting, especially if Jet doesn't play, Joey maybe gets the start um, at the three. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know where they'll go. Probably, so yeah. 
the other thing yeah. I'll be looking at is um, for Michigan is really, really bad defending pick and rolls. Uh, defending the ball handler, they're in the 17th percentile for all defenses in D1, uh, which is probably like 280th or something, 250th, something like that. Um, you know, is this going to be a game where Brain gets aggressive again and can just kind of take over? Um, you know, I, I think that's the one flaw with Dickinson is he's not great in pick and roll coverage. Um, whether it be dropper at the level, they'll probably hedge, I assume, just to mm, will they hedge? I don't know. They'll, they'll don't switch know. between hedge and drop. Yeah, they'll probably start and drop, I would say. But yeah, because I, I don't know if Dickinson has the speed to get back or if you trust, you know, I guess if they could, it may, they might hedge if Reed's in because then you have Reed as like yeah, the tagger, hopefully. Reed's the tagger. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Edie. Um, but you know, it did more just for this point, I'm just saying like, is Brady going to get going? Is he going to be aggressive? If he is, I think, you know, Purdue has obviously have a better chance to win when Braden Smith's aggressive. I think if he is aggressive, can really get going, you know, get the lobs to ED, um, you know, follow his own numbers some, I think it makes, it becomes really, really tough for Michigan to defend. Um, you know, and then if that yeah. happens, then you have to account for that. And then that just opens up everything else for Purdue. Wouldn't be shocked to see Michigan go zone at some points. So they don't run it a ton, but they have shown they will. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that at some point. They did it last year. And Ivy just – the game at Purdue, Ivy just absolutely torched them in pick and roll yeah. or against the zone. Uh, they just set a high ball screen, and then Ivy got right into the middle. So maybe that will happen again this year. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. And then Michigan State Saturday – or, sorry, Sunday. Sunday. We obviously yep. – uh, we know what those two teams look like competing yeah. against each other. You know, they're, they're not going to have Malik Hall probably for that game. Maybe they will. No, he he was like questionable, right? For no, really. I think he was questionable for the IU game. Okay, then maybe they will have him, which will uh, throw a wrench into it. Yeah, he was warming up uh, in uniform and warming up, so uh, certainly he might play. Give it, give it a week, and he'll. He, I don't, I don't know. Really, we don't have a great prognosis on that, but uh, yeah, Jade Nakins has been playing a little bit better. We know what they are, but. Uh, I expect that to be a hard fought game at Mackey, another team oh, yeah. coming into Mackey to, to give them a, you know, give them their best shot. Got a little bit of a really be interested to see who the refs are in that game uh, with the, as much as Izzo complained about it. No, seriously. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that has yeah. to be a storyline um, moving forward here. Cause if it's Courtney green, like I think I might pick MSU seriously. I mean, that, that's where it's gotten at this point. Um, you know, he, sure. he just gives into some of that stuff. And so, That'll be an interesting one. Again, we we know how they match up. Will Purdue start Morton on Walker this time? We said Hogard. We'll see. Probably still on Hogard because of the post ups. If they start Hall, that's just going to be really tough for Purdue to defend those three. Um, yeah, Aikens is easier to defend, you know, from Purdue's perspective because they can stick Braden or Lawyer on him. You're yep. not have to worry about it too much. But yeah, no, I, I think it'll be a good week. I think two really good tests. One go having to go on the road against a team that's at least capable and then hosting a, a team that you know you you match up well with and um you know it'd be nice to to make a statement at Mackey they haven't uh obviously they torched Nebraska there but with a couple close games with Rutgers and Maryland it'd be nice to just kind of take a, a team like Michigan State and, and really you know give it to them a little bit and that's uh you know, Purdue has gotten this home matchup against Michigan State on a early Sunday uh, two or three times now while I've been at Purdue. Um, it's torched them both. Obviously, that has no, like, actual effect on this game. But, but yeah, sure. um, 
just overall, I, yeah, it'll probably be a lot of the same. I, I assume MSU is probably going to stick with their single coverage on Edie and just live with whatever comes elsewhere. Um, you know, if you want more, and we did a, you know, Purdue and Michigan State played a week ago. They played Monday, January 16th. Purdue won 64 to 63. We did do a pod after that um, from last week. So you could go check that out for more kind of just a breakdown of that game. I think we honestly spent like 30, 40 minutes on the game. Yeah, you guys um, so, can find that matchup. We were we broke it down pretty extensively. So so I would yeah, I would say a lot of it applies to this. If Malik Hall is back, as you said, that throws kind of a wrench into things. Um, you know, Ethan's gonna probably have to take him then. And you know, it just just is a is a way different matchup for MSU. So, you know, kind of we're looking at some injuries to see kind of how matchups play for really both of these games this week. Um, but yeah, should be should be a good week. Excited, you know. Probably two. I would I would expect two pretty good games. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else on that front. I know you have you know some recruit talk you want to get into. I don't know if you want to jump into that. If you have anything about the upcoming games to finish off. No, I think I'm good. I mean, I was just gonna talk a little bit about uh, 2024 point guard Travis Perry out of Lyon County, Kentucky. Um, Painter went to see him over the weekend along with Flory Bedunga of Kokomo. Uh, who's a little more unrealistic of a target. But apparently Perry, according to Knucklehead Central, the, the goldenblack.com message board, Perry was at the at the uh, the Maryland game, and he may be back for the Michigan State game this Sunday. So, okay. um, you know, it's big news. He's a really good player, um, a lot sort of a Braden Smith type um, in terms of he's a kind of an undersized point guard who who's a really good shooter. He's a, a guy that I think – you know, probably has maybe been influenced a little bit by seeing Smith succeed. You know, I, I think um, seeing a guy who plays similarly to him, he's not as athletic as Braden, uh, but he's probably even a better shooter than Braden, which is scary to say a little bit. But, uh, you know, he's definitely up. He, he's going to be the Kentucky State all-time leading scorer. He's a kid who started in seventh grade. Uh, oh. they'd let you do that in Kentucky. So uh, he was putting up double digits down there in seventh grade. And uh, now he's in his junior year and just lighting it up pretty much every night for, for them. He plays with uh, Flory Bedunga and Raleigh Burgess, who's another target in 24 and a couple other guys on the Indiana elite 2024 team that, that won. I don't think they lost this circuit season. I don't know. They may have lost one or t- once or twice, but you know, Painter's been down to see him quite a bit. And I think, you know, Purdue, this would be a type of guy that, you know, Purdue, he's probably a top 60 kind of kid that Purdue uh, will maybe start to be able to land, you know, with their with their increased national relevance and, you know, just excellent success recently. He would fit perfectly into what, you know, kind of Purdue wants to do and in, in getting those shooters, getting those guys who are just smart, you know, tough players. He is just an unbelievable shooter, seriously. I mean, if you haven't seen the guy play, uh, you know, you can find it on YouTube, whatever the case may be. Like, he's one of maybe the best high school shooters I've ever seen. Uh, wow. So, obviously, he'd fit he'd fit right in here. You know, he'd fit right in at Purdue. Yeah. And um, that 24 class has Jack Benner, has Cannon Catchings already. So, it, it's already pretty solid. I think I've expressed how high I am on Catchings, less so on Benner. But still, I think he's going to be a good college player. So, if you could add Perry to that mix – and then get a big, whether it's, you know, Badunga is kind of a pipe dream, but Riley Burgess is a guy who's a realistic target out of Cincinnati who, who also plays on that team that they're after. So, yeah, the 2024 class shaping up pretty well. You know, there's not a lot of mainstream Purdue recruiting talk. 
it's kind of crazy to compare like IU and Purdue. IU, there is so much recruiting talk, um, yeah. you know, from the from the media and all that. There's just not as much with Purdue. So I feel like each week here at the end, I can kind of give a little little thought or whatever on some of these guys because I've, I've seen a lot of them play. So he, he's a really good player, and hopefully he chooses Purdue. He's hopefully he's back next weekend. We'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll we could keep an eye out for him next week yeah. if we uh, if we're at the game, which I, I plan on being there. I'm. I'm I have not watched him yet. Um, that's something I have been lacking. Need to try to get into more is the recruiting space. So maybe that'll be my homework for this week is, is watch a little bit of him. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's, is there uh, anything else you want to add? Just Purdue recruits refs. I don't no, know. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just the show goes on. We know who they are. And uh, catching's had a nice weekend. Uh, I think, they lost to Carmel, who's really good. They beat Westfield, Braden Smith's old team, and he had a couple nice games. Uh, just continues to show off the the length and and mm-hmm. you know shot making, shot creation ability that Purdue rarely rarely sees come through its program. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up here. Then, um, Aiden, where can they find you on Twitter? Or wherever yeah at aiden Koontz on twitter a-i-d-a-n-k-u-n-s-t i'm trying to post like one or two sets from purdue that i really like uh you know recently and maybe i'll include some video in one of them so i can kind of explain it a little bit better but uh obviously you know check me out there if you want some i don't know purdue sets or whatever the case may be yep yeah and you know he also is doing you're doing some coaching so that's why yeah. not as active on twitter uh Got a, yeah, got a sure. team to manage. That's so. true. That's true. All right. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Jackson 2210. Do Purdue game breakdowns on Twitter. I will have that. That should be up by the time this podcast is up. So make sure you go check that out for the Maryland game. Do it for every game. Um, also do some writing at cbbreview.com. Had an article last week about uh, Fletcher Lawyer. And I don't, I'm going to have one about Purdue this week. Not exactly sure what, but we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, and then you can follow us on Twitter for Feed the Post at Feed the Post underscore. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, share it if you're enjoying this. Um, you know, give us any feedback, anything you'd want to see in a future upcoming episode. Um, we also do a Big Ten episode per week, and this one we are going to be having a former Ohio State player on to talk some Ohio State hoops. Uh, so that's going to be going to be good. Make sure to tune into that. Um, thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next one.